Morning all, Steve Parisi here with IBC Global. Hope that your day is off to a great start as usual. So today we have a guest, uh, a good friend of mine that we've known each other for about a year now. Uh, He actually works here with the company, one of our agents, Brandon Pagobo. Brandon, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you doing today? Good, good. Hey, really appreciate you making some time to to do this with me this morning. I know you've got a ton going on along with everyone, uh, but really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Certainly. Well, you know, you've worked with me for, or with us, the company for about a year now. And a lot of people that we work with know you from some of your video content. Um, You've got a great way that you present. Uh, I appreciate it and learn a lot from you as well. But what I wanted to do this morning and the purpose of this podcast is help more people get to know you and really all of our agents here. Uh, but this way they see that, hey, it's it's more than just one person. We've got different departments. They see, hey, here's Brandon and yeah, they get to know you and we'll talk about things you like, you don't like, and we'll, we'll have some fun. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> all right. Sounds great. So, you know, you've got a, an interesting story as far as how you started with the company. So you've been here for just about a year now, correct? Correct. Yeah, just about a year. Gotcha. And you're full steam talking about high cash value life insurance, the banking concept, you're licensed, and you've been been doing well. You know, my question for you, and I think that listeners would appreciate, is what did you do before you worked here? What's your background? So good question. You know, from the very beginning, I always wanted to be involved with uh, people. People was my biggest, um, you know, determining factor on on what I would be doing with my life. So right out of high school, I actually um, went to nursing school and I passed the boards back in 2008, I believe. Um, A lot of my family members, friends, um, well-meaning individuals uh, had noticed that, you know, I was decent at speaking in front of an audience. So they suggested, hey, don't just stop at nursing, get your PhD, get your master's, go on to teach individuals. If you still want to do nursing, that's fine as well. But, um, you know, little did they know that I actually um, had also a goal in mind, um, where I actually wanted to be a a full-time minister, actually volunteer a majority of my time to helping others in that aspect. So um, that's actually what I did for quite a while, maybe eight to nine years, um, was able to travel all over the globe. Uh, One time somebody had calculated where I had went and they said, you know, you you went to 10 countries in this year alone. I was like, what? I I didn't even realize that. So to me, it was a a great thing to be able to meet people of all different ages, backgrounds, socioeconomic, um, you know, backgrounds as well. And um, that's actually what really helped me to understand people in general. Um, I did meet my wife in New York when I was out there. And uh, we got married and moved to Texas, down south, to start our own family. So I was there for a while, uh, worked for an information management company, um, got into some real estate, started uh, my own business down there as well. And... um, decided that we wanted to start our family by having our first child, which we did. And we moved to Pennsylvania of all places. We just love the woods and, you know, the, the sunsets, you know, and we don't like the ticks too much. I mean, there's Uh a lot of ticks in Pennsylvania. I think you know that as well, Steve, but yeah, we don't like them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So hiking, be careful when you go hiking in Pennsylvania people. 
Right on. But um, that's actually how we settled here um, in Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, no, really appreciate that. So I've got a question. We, our company focuses, laser focused on high cash value life insurance and a lot of training just in general, as far as personal development, how to learn the product and the industry knowledge, teaching people how to optimize their cash value policies. And I always say it's one thing to learn it. It's a whole nother thing to communicate it properly, right? Because there's so much for us to learn and then helping individuals understand it thoroughly is it can be a challenge until you kind of refine that skill set you learn everything it takes time um but my question here is you've been learning and you've certainly picked it up fast or you've got a lot of this you can do 100 percent on your own at this point as well which is which is impressive for doing that in one year but when you started here i'd like to know what your thoughts were specifically around the thought and idea of the banking concept high or whole life insurance used for cash value coming in as someone relatively new to the industry the background in real estate and such and typically you may have thought hey life insurance i pay money in and like when i die it gets paid out like what's the difference like what else is there and then we do all this extra stuff with it kind of what what were your initial thoughts when you entered the company around the banking concept cash value life insurance that good stuff so life insurance in general to me was extremely complex. Uh, I have a childhood friend that we grew up with um, all the way from San Francisco. And we're now both living in Pennsylvania to, uh, oh, yeah. together. You know, mm-hmm. we see each other from time to time. Um, but, you know, I was going into nursing and he was actually um, wanting to be an actuary. So he was studying to become an actuary. Um, while he was studying to become an actuary, he also got his life insurance license as well. And he would always tell me about life insurance. And he would throw out terminology that I was like over my head. Uh, he was talking about, um, you know, fiduciary responsibility. Uh, he would talk about the term writer. He would talk about yeah, universal life, all this stuff. I just listened to him very nicely, but I did not understand any of it. To me, it was always a very boring traditional product. You pay money um, into this policy, it buys you a death benefit, end of story. But when I actually started to investigate, and uh, I started talking with um, another person that you did a podcast with, a good friend of mine, Phil Viachorek. I also started working with one of you know your top producers, um, Stephanie Transu, and they were telling me exactly how a life insurance policy can be structured for maximum cash value. So yes, there is that insurance expense, that base premium. Yes, there is still that death benefit for your beneficiaries, but there's also, it's kind of like a a policy piggy bank in there, so to speak, that PUA rider or that cash component. And that's actually what earns that guaranteed rate, dividends, interest, that money can be accessed at any time. Um, So it it was kind of interesting to me. Uh, After doing a little bit more research, I'm like, wow, not only do you have this piggy bank within this policy, but when you put a dollar into that component, it actually spits out additional death benefit for your family as well. So it was so interesting to me. Um, You know, for a few good days, I I just watched all of your videos. Like I always suggest to people that I talk with on the phone, hey, we're all at home nowadays because of COVID, binge watch on these videos. You'll learn something from them. 
So um, when I started learning how interesting and how intriguing this whole concept was, it was something that I, I thought I could help people in another way with as well. Um, developing cash value life insurance so that they could use it for uh, a financing tool, yes, and also a flexible savings asset for their family as well. So those were my initial thoughts around it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Appreciate that overview. Um, so you've been here for about a year now, and I'll say one of your skill sets, the thing that I appreciate, and you're way, way better at it than me and better than most, um, is, how can I put it, means to communicate or presentation skills where, and I go back to that, where I value that is it's one thing to take in the knowledge, but it's another thing to communicate it, not just communicate it, but effectively to an individual so they see it, they hear it and say, oh, okay, that makes sense. I realize how I can can use this this product now. So I guess my thing is, as you came in to the industry new, you had a skill set that it takes time to develop, in my opinion. You know, that's something I talk about frequently, how it took me forever to practice and build that. I still work on it because I stumble on my own words all the time. Um, but learning the details of the life insurance industry, that's <laughs> that's the fun part. So what have been, uh, I'll call it cha challenges, success, things you like, th things you might not like, just about the insurance product and learning the details about it. Um, and, and it could be just the abundance of information with different insurance companies, loan interest rates, all that good stuff. So, so for me, um, insurance in general is a lot like a math problem. Yep. So you're looking at numbers like, you know, many have seen on an illustration, you're just looking at numbers, but it's representing exactly the mechanics of how that policy is structured. So for me, I had to um, facilitate that, that information to put into my brain and to be able to communicate it. So what helped me was to put everything into an illustration. I have to liken, um, you know, what I'm seeing in numbers to something real. So for example, I was talking to an individual the other day and they did not understand why we didn't try to upsell and put a whole bunch of additional writers right. on a policy. So I had mentioned to him, I said, well, you know, I'm watching a movie about bobsledding <laughs> and it's important when you're designing a bobsled to get from point A to point B as fast as possible to make sure to strip any additional weight that might be on there, whether it be um, a flag that represents their country, an extra coat of paint, stickers. Um, you want to make sure that that bobsled is clean so that you do not have any drag when it's getting from point A to point B. And that's how I, you know, had told this person on the phone. I said, so we try to strip all unneeded riders off of your policy so it does not create any drag on cash value. Any riders that we could substitute with like free riders or things that do the same thing that you would have been paying for um, actually allows you to get from point A to point B as quick as possible. And what we want to see is unhindered cash growth. Yeah. So, um, you know, things like that, that, that's what helps me actually thinking of things in illustrations a lot. Gotcha. Yeah, no, really good illustration there. And, and I agree with it because it, our focus as a, a company is how do I maximize the cash value for the policyholder via the illustration, guaranteed and non-guaranteed values, but also 
knowing what's actually going to happen or having a sense of what's actually going to happen because illustrations are one thing. The actual performance is always much different. It, it is. But on that, that's a good point you mentioned with the riders because how I view it is stripping a policy down and saying, okay, how do I just simply use the riders that are necessary to give me the best bang for my buck because I'm interested in high cash value up front and in high cash value long-term and good death benefit appreciation as well. But there are times where individuals say, well, can I see the different riders? What's it look like if I attach a long-term rider, long-term care? Hey, what's the waiver of premium costs? You know, there's several things you can add. And this is where, from a, a business perspective, I guess I view it more like Amazon, where you'll see everything from them. And that's where the extra work comes in. Like, okay, do I just talk to the individual and you're you're good at this at showing all the options as well do i just talk to them oh you just want to see this option no i mean if they requested and i appreciate this uh, about you very much so is you'll say yeah we'll show you that so you'll run the additional options pro provide it this way they can see everything up front not just be told oh you don't want to go with that because eh, most people don't do it like okay that might be true but if you're not in the industry if you're the buyer I still want to see it. Like if you're buying a car, show me the, the high-end stereo option and show me it without. Because I might want to, you know, listen to that, you know, high def speaker when I'm driving down the road, whatever it might be. So if I can see it up front, not just hear about it and say, oh, I don't do it. I've always liked that. I mean, we try and build that into our practice, but going that extra step and asking about it, I mean, that's that's valuable. And it's a nice thing that you do that. I know everyone you work with appreciates that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. Giving them as many options and as, as much information as possible, I think it really dignifies, yeah. you know, our um, clients as well. Like, you know, just don't take my word for it. Um, I want to show you and, you know, you can make your own decision as well based on the facts. So um, definitely agree with you there. Yeah, yes, certainly. So the one thing that I wanted to touch on you, touch on with you primarily is the importance of the client relationship because we we have a i'll call it a great problem right now as a company where we are a bit overwhelmed with the amount of people we talk to and we're, we're looking for for more agents and such that fit into the culture and everything that can help us service individuals but when you first started here coming into what's considered a sales job by many was your impression that, hey, we put a lot of emphasis on the relationship after the sale or was it, hey, is this a place where I just sell it and then move on to the next sale and it's just sell, 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 sell <laughs> all day long? Yep. So it's definitely not just sell, sell, sell and never see them again. See, yeah. what I what I actually really like is that, you know, it's called a whole life policy for a reason. We're with you for your whole life. Um, you know, we'll touch base, of course, every six months, every year after the policy goes in force. But anytime after that, you know, you have any questions, reach out to me, reach out to, you know, our client relations department, who's specifically trained to give informative information in that regard as well. So, um, you know, from the very beginning, it's not just, hey, let me just sell you something and then I'll never see you again. No, we're, we're with them for the entire life. So um, going back to that fiduciary responsibility, yeah. mm -hmm. 
That's what we have to remember. That's the top thing that we have to remember in life insurance, especially. Yeah, yeah. And when you're dealing with people's money, when they're interested on the cash value component, you, you have to be because all the moving parts, making sure it doesn't mech down the road, uh, all of those unseen elements. It's important to put emphasis and focus on that. Um, you know, I'll tell you what my background, well, my background, what my viewpoint has always been with that is we work nationwide. I mean, how many people have you met with face-to-face where we saw them, shook their hand pre-COVID when we could actually do that? I can remember one where you and I took a, a small road trip. Yep, you and I. We went to uh, New York together, I believe. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, I think <laughs> that was fun. But that was the only time. Point being, working nationwide, like how I view it is if I work with you out in San Francisco, right, in California, the other side of the country, because we're in Pennsylvania, and we're going through the product, we're going through the benefits, you're getting to know me, I'm getting to know you, there's a good chance you are going to run into local agents and advisors over the course of your life. So as a company, how I viewed it from day one, and this is when I was doing one policy at a time, starting to, to branch off on my own, I'm like, okay, I have to set up the absolute best policy for the individual that we're working with and then provide the absolute best service. Reaching out every six months with review material, offering the review meeting, like it's, it's definitely additional work. But where that kind of comes from is like, all right, if I'm the consumer and someone's always giving me that information, keeping me up to speed after so long, I might say, hey, I don't need so many review meetings, but I appreciate the information. Point being, you always have that individual there providing service that we don't see exist a whole lot. I should say proactive service. A lot of times it's, hey, I'm here, but giving it, going that extra step is huge. Um, I know you do that to a, a... a high degree where you're always making yourself available, excuse me, making yourself available to help others. Um, but that's kind of where that, that started. Just that was my mindset going back to those early days, which were fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, client relations, customer service, that's all extremely valuable. If you want to share a story, if you're comfortable doing this with someone that you've worked with, you know, call it an experience, something that you really learned or something you thoroughly enjoyed in working with individuals or it could be one client, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Go into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. So we work with a wide variety of clients, with, yeah. which means that there's a wide variety of funding scenarios and of MEC limits. You know, some, they want to put in $200,000, worth of mech space. Mm-hmm. Some people have a, a $10,000 mech space. Yeah. Both of these individuals are looking for a solution to their problem. They want to keep their money working for them. So how can they do so? So I remember specifically working with actually one of my very um, first clients. And um, she had just hit your um, YouTube channel and, and had no idea what anything was. She didn't know what this banking concept was. She had a very, um, you know, like she didn't understand how life insurance really worked. I believe she was offered term insurance before, but mm-hmm. it, 
that's about all, you know, that it, you know, the, the scope of her understanding of everything. And so I remember talking to her and thinking like, this is going to be a lot of work (laughs) to educate from the very beginning. The process of all the education took quite a while, actually. This is uh, the time when maybe you only had 200 videos out. Now you have like 400, uh, a lot of videos out now. So, um, but I remember working with her for about, you know, maybe two months and just educating all this time, sending video links, sending emails. Um, and one day she just said, I get it. I, I don't know why this has never been taught in our, uh, you know, financial education. Um, why is it that not that many people know to leverage something so traditional for them, for it to work so great for, you know, me and for my family. And she said, you know what, I think I'm interested. Let me, can I commit to the minimums, but have the ability to add X amount? Of course, you know, we try to design it for maximum flexibility. Um, After that, I mean, just a phone call afterwards, she was so um, happy that she understood this concept. She has a product that benefits herself and her family for the the long run. and uh, really that kind of like emphasized in my mind, you know, we're, we're in it not just to sell policies, right. we're in it to help people as well. Yeah. So um, from that point on, I always remember the, when I'm talking on the phone with somebody, these are real people that are, you know, that money is valuable to them. And I want to make sure that they're able to use it to the best of their ability. Yeah. So it's one of the things that came up in my mind. Yeah. Good story. No, no, really. Th- thanks for going into that and sharing. Question that, that I have that it's a question that most people have that you kind of gotten there is when she asked why don't so many why do so so many people not know about this whether it's leverage or I might even branch into whole life insurance like why do people not know what you can do with the cash value life insurance why is that not that well known. With most people, when you start looking at call it the the ultra wealthy, big banks, corporations. I, I mean, <laughs> when you look at banks with their bank on life insurance holdings, they buy as much of it as they possibly can. We put one in force earlier this year, and it's very it's an attractive asset to them. So it's interesting to me. You've got people with you know these boatloads of cash just dumping money into life insurance, and then you hear from you know the general public or just the general persona around life insurance, horrible place to position money. And that was kind of my thing. Like, okay, like why is there such a difference? Because you can do almost the same thing. It's not the same, but very, very similar for the big guys and everyone else. So like my question for you and well, I'll ask you first. Don't know if you like yet have to have an answer because I'm kind of putting you on the spot here is why, why do you feel that so many people don't understand whole life insurance. Like, why do you think that is specifically around what you can do with the cash value? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you want to learn anything in va- anything valuable in life, it's going to take an investment of time on your part. Yeah. So there's a reason why you have 400 videos out there. People may think that this is a complex subject. I, I, I'll never understand it. Will I have to get my life insurance license? Will I have to read, uh, you know, these stacks of books that talk about this concept? Will I have to learn about 
uh, Austrian economics to understand it. You know, so there's a lot of, do I have to, do I have to? So I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, uh, is there's a lot of confusion out there as well. It's, it's why, you know, I believe we as a company try to make it as to the point as possible, um, simplifying what may be seemingly complex um, ideas and to, to really just talk about how it works for you as an individual, how to copy the uber wealthy, as you had mentioned as well. So that's one reason it, it can be on the surface, very complex, and it might scare people away. The second reason is because the, how we structure it um, affects uh, the agent as well. So if we are squeezing the base premium as low as possible and maximizing cash value, and you have to think what happens to the agent as well in, in the terms of compensation. So you have to be willing, able, and um, really those are two of the biggest things that I, I can think of, you know, yeah. at the moment, you know. Yeah, no, you're, I would agree. I, I mean, I've expressed the same thing in, in the past. And, and you know, what's interesting, that, that might be a good question. You may have talked about this to your friend who, who's an actuary um, because there's an actuary I, I talked to uh, as well, Scott, Scott Witt, we've had podcasts with him where he'll he'll bring that up because his background, just how life insurance is priced, structured, all that good stuff. I mean, he's got zero motive to sell policies and he'll come out and say straight up, like, listen, if the agent's compensation is reduced up front and over the life of the policy, that's often going to mean you've got more cash value as the consumer. And that that's I like him because he's very direct in that respect. And I view it, this whole business is like, hey, this is not about us trying to build a, a giant size company just to say we did it. No, like it's about the consumer. If you do the right thing for the consumer, everything else is going to work out. You'll grow naturally. Like look at Amazon and Walmart. I mean, do they sell extremely expensive, overpriced items? No. No. Nope. For the general public, <laughs> yeah, everybody can benefit from it. Yeah, and they price match. They offer the best deal at the best price. And you can get good high-end products from them as well. That's the thing, but you're going to get the best deal. So you can do that. The exact same thing on the life insurance industry. If you take the right approach from a volume mindset, that's always been, been my approach there. And if you do that, like it, it works out well. I think the, the industry... Hey, and this is not to say all agents are like this. I've just run into it when I used to work for individuals when I would start to learn about this before I really got into the designer role. Like, all right, well, why don't we design it like this? Like, look, they got so much cash value. And the rebuttals I would get is like, well, you don't want to do that. It will impact your commission too low. I'm like, well, I don't care. Like, it gives them more money. So why would we not do it? And then they make up some reason that didn't make sense. That kind of stuff goes on all the time. So it's more or less, I guess it comes back to just do the right thing for the individual and everything works out, like everything in life. That goes back to our original conversation. <laughs> You're, we're not just selling products. We're with this person for the rest of their life. So whenever we touch base, whenever they text, whenever they call, we want to make sure that they're happy, just not now, but in the decades to come. You know? So it's important to not only mix you know, quantity, volume, but also quality as well. We are um, being able to provide quality products optimized to the best of its ability to for the, you know, the general public. Yeah, right on, right on. That is all I had today. Um, obviously, if anyone wants to 
get in contact with us, our contact information, yours as well, is in the bottom of this video link and via the podcast. It's uh, you know it's fairly simple to get get in touch with our company at this point. Um, you can call or email us anytime. But yeah, no, thank you so much for being on. Anything that you wanted to to add that I forgot to mention here? I think we we covered everything we discussed in the two seconds prior. <laughs> I think so too. You know, everybody in, in the company, um, whatever department, whether it be client relations, social media, whether it be the case team, the agents, all people that I am friends with, all people that I trust. So when you call in, you know, or whoever's listening, when you call in and you speak to a specific agent, you know, myself, Phil, Scott, um, you know, Stephanie, uh, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Samantha, anybody, you're not just getting them, you're getting the whole team as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely use that. Uh, yeah. and, and I think you'll be very happy with the, uh, the outcome of it. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Thanks for mentioning that. Well, again, really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you in the future. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Steve. Bye. Bye.